Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. This episode of Hey Soul Sister podcast is brought to you by the fabulous sponsor, What's On Newcastle. From the city of Newcastle, all you need to do is go to whatson.newcastle.newsouthwales.gov.au for all the best information about our city. Hey Soul Sisters, we are getting up close and personal again today with sex therapist Gabby Laurie. How are you? I'm great. Good to be back. Great to be back. So Gabby has actually been on Hey Soul Sister before and we were just talking about what is the role of a sex therapist, which was really, really interesting. And um, we had such a great response to Gabby's episode that I was like, I think we need to do some further delving into some certain areas of sex and our sex lives. Yes, are you down for that, Gabby? Absolutely. I've been waiting for someone (laughs) to do this. (laughs) Okay, so just quickly, let's go through your quals again, your qualifications, just so we're establishing that Gabby is our girl. I went to the University of Sydney and I studied to become a sexologist, so I'm a qualified sexologist. And after that, I went on to study resource therapy, acceptance commitment therapy, and I use the Gottman couples therapy so I can do more of the relationship aspect as well with couples because I quickly saw after university that when couples come in with a sexual issue, they've got some other issues we need to address first. So Yeah, which I think was really interesting from the last episode that we did. I didn't realise that, but you explained that really well, that actually having potential issues around sex for couples, it actually is much deeper than actually just the act of sex. Absolutely. What I love, again, was that after that last episode came out, I was contacted by so many people that loved it. And they actually made their hobbies listen to certain parts of that episode. And that was around, Gabby, I don't know if you remember this, when you were talking about how men and women gear up for sex differently, I guess. And you were like... Men sometimes don't realise that, you know, while you're cooking dinner or doing the housework, that if they come up and maybe grab you on the boob, that that doesn't automatically mean you're going to get in the mood for sex. Absolutely (laughs) correct. (laughs) And I'm going to be honest, I actually went and played that part for my hubby. (laughs) He's going to kill me. (laughs) I was sitting there listening to it out on the veranda and that part came up and I'm like, right, rewind. Rewind it back. And I'm like, honey, I need you to listen to this. (laughs) And you know what? He was shocked. He actually was like really surprised that he didn't realize that if he just kind of, yeah, comes up and grab my beer ball, whatever, you know, especially around when I'm in the kitchen or I'm kind of preoccupied doing something else, he actually didn't get that that doesn't necessarily work for me. That's such a common issue that I've seen over the years that – No one is taught how to seduce each other in the way that works best for a female body or a male body. So because males can be turned on like a firework, they can be visually turned on if they see their partner in a short skirt, they can be ready like a firework, you just light the fuse. And women are more like a cold bath. We don't have testosterone giving us the signal. I mean, men think of sex at least once a day every day. Women might think about sex once a week or depending how much other stuff they've got on, how the relationship's going. 
So you'd have to imagine a woman's body like a cold bath that you heat up by living an erotic lifestyle all the time. Yeah. And they're definitely not ready if you just go for the target areas straight away. The nipples and clitoris grabbed straight away can be painful to her or irritating or oversensitive unless you've warmed up the rest of the body and the brain first. And so men aren't like that. Men are just like beam. You could basically grab a lot of them on the penis and say, you ready, babe? And they'll be very happy. Yeah. (laughs) But some aren't. Some are wired more the other way. So, yeah. I remember once I was in Sydney and I was trying on a on a dress. It was like a ball gown or something because I was going to a ball. And I came out of the change room and my hubby was like, oh, damn, you look good in that dress. And I'm like, oh, really? And I did not feel attractive. It was like, you know, 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, you know, didn't feel done up or special or anything like that. I'm literally just trying to find a dress that is going to be functional but still look good and that I feel nice in so I walk out in this dress and he was just like oh damn you look good in that dress and I could see him and he's like yep later on it's on I'm like oh my god like seriously I do not feel hot or attractive at all right now so that's interesting that's that visual thing absolutely yeah and so many women don't realize when they're accidentally turning men on particularly some young women as well, like they might get accused of being a prick tease or something like that. And a lot of young women might not even know that just because their strap has fallen off the shoulder of their shirt, Mm. to them, that's nothing. They might not know that that's turning him on. This culture kind of slut shames women for not being aware of that. But we think totally differently. Men and women think totally differently. So, And I'm just going to quickly say, just because a man does feel actually aroused because he may see a bit of your shirt fall down, that doesn't mean you have to do anything. That actually doesn't mean... That does not mean you need to do anything. Yes, it's his responsibility. If he's aroused, that's his responsibility to control, to self-soothe, to give himself love. Yeah, <laughs> it's not in does not entitle him to get anything from you. And yeah. women should feel safe like men to yeah. wear what they want, act yeah. how they want. It doesn't entitle anyone to your body. Yes. So we're going to say that up front. Yes. You do not need to do anything that you do not want to do. Absolutely. Yes. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. Okay, so that's a key thing. Men are much more visual than women. Yeah, I mean, some women are very visually turned on too, but in a general way, it's more women's brains that need to be turned on. So women get turned on far more often by talking, maybe dirty talk or or reading erotic fiction, whereas men are more porn-focused. There is some porn made by women that turns on the women more. Yeah. It looks totally different from the men's porn. Yeah. That's interesting. I imagine it would be quite different. Yeah, absolutely. The women's porn is more focused on the foreplay and the story, the tension build up, the before and after. Yeah. Men's porn is focused on thrusting. Yeah. And women can find that quite boring. Yeah. Like just thrusting away and then the woman pretends to have an orgasm five times. Yeah. And some young men, unfortunately, if they don't get other areas of healthy sex education, they have that unrealistic expectation of that's what it's meant to be like. Yeah. And if their partner doesn't live up to that, they can feel really frustrated. Do you know, I remember years ago, okay, this is weird. I was doing antenatal classes. I was pregnant. So I don't know why we're having this conversation in an antenatal class. Maybe because we were all pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so <it> was- yeah. <laughs> I remember the nurse who was teaching the antenatal class mm-hmm. said something that I thought at the time was really profound. She said, 
that men want sex to feel loved, whereas women feel loved so they'll have sex. That's a good thing to remember about uh, the different sexes. It's not always the rule, but the way we're formed biologically Women have a lot more repercussions when they have sex. They could get pregnant and so hormonally, everything. We bond with a partner. We get a kick of oxytocin, the bonding hormone, when we orgasm. Yeah. So we need a partner who cares enough about our pleasure too to bond with them. Like if we're just with a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of partner, you know, that wouldn't make us feel safe sexually. We want to feel a bit more safe emotionally. Because there are bigger repercussions sexually for us. So predominantly it comes down to the way our brains are wired. Is that why we see or we view or feel or see sex differently between the sexes? Is it is it because yeah. of that or is it or is it more conditioning? It's a bit of everything. We have different conditioning as men and women. We have different hormones, we have different biologies. Like women can experience more pain during sex, like dyspareunia, vaginismus, all kinds of conditions. But men don't often experience pain during sex. So they're perhaps not as patient or understanding Yeah, because they think, wow, it's so good. I want it to be so good for you too. And when their partner starts avoiding having sex because they feel pain, they just don't get it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hard for women to verbalize that sometimes, do you find, like through the therapy that you do? I would say what is more hard that is... Women will pressure themselves to have a sex drive like a man mm-hmm. and to keep up with him. So in the honeymoon period, both partners in a heterosexual relationship will think, oh, great, we've got matching libidos, so we'll never have any problems with mismatched libidos. We're going to have great sex forever. And then when you plateau into a safer, more secure love, women will feel safer to say no to sex because they wanted to say no to sex before, but they're pressuring themselves to try and keep up with maybe their male partner who has a higher libido. And they might push through when it's painful to please him and, and to make him feel loved. Yeah. But when they feel more secure, they might say, well, I can't do that anymore because it's, yeah. it's hurting. But they might feel scared to say, I'm not getting enough foreplay. And women might not even know the kind of foreplay their bodies need to get in the mood. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think I said before on the previous episode, I learned about a lot about that stuff from the sealed section in Cleo's and Cosmo's. Yes. <laughs> Hail the Cleo Bring and Cosmo. Bring them back. I know. That's where I learned a lot of sex stuff was from there because yeah. they were talk. those magazines were talking about, you know, issues to do with sex and sexual technique and learning about foreplay and all of that otherwise i don't know if i would have really known about you know all yeah there's not many sources of where you can find that out and you probably don't want to talk about with your parents absolutely (laughs) hey question so i remember reading once that men have their highest sex drive when they're you know 18 to 20 and but for women, it's like in their thirties. Is that true? I think it's. Is that an urban myth? <laughs> an it's, urban sex it's, myth. Because sex and sex drives are based on so many different factors. Men's peak of maybe physical health might be in that age, so he might be able to have sex five times in one night. But that might not be what his partner wants. Yeah. So. He might be peak of his endurance, but is he peak of his ability to have sex in a way that would turn a woman on, like the foreplay, the yep. 
So men might really peak in their sexual ability when they're a little bit older because they'll know how to slow down and turn the woman on more and that women's bodies need at least 20 minutes to 30 minutes foreplay before you even think about intercourse. Otherwise, it can be painful. So younger guys might not be that patient. Or or just not understand it. Oh, they just, yeah, they just might not even know because they've never had the education. I was going to say there's probably some older men that don't get that either. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we need 20 to 40 minutes of foreplay to actually really get ready to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose vibrators can help with that, can help the woman get a bit there sooner to the same level as a man's body. Or women, it might like BDSM kind of play because it turns their brain on. Yeah. Just because, say, if you have a blindfold on or handcuffs, you're surrendering to a partner that you really trust with consent and you might have a safe word, but it actually heightens the sensations you feel on your skin and it brings back in a long-term relationship that unpredictability that makes sex exciting again. You don't know what's going to happen, but you trust them. And you can call it off any time, but it just brings back that roller coaster feeling rather than the merry go round. <laughs> merry go round of 20 years of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yep, missionary position every day. <laughs> Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Hey, sisters. Newcastle plays host to some amazing spectacles and live events from the Supercars to the Rip Curl Pro to Surfest and our Epic Arts Festival. There's always something incredible to do in our amazingly vibrant and diverse city. To check out what's on offer, whatson.newsouthwales.gov.au. A couple of people have sent me questions around sex that they would like me to put to you. A little bit of a Q&A. Sex Q&A? Yep. I've been asked to not name names or situations that might give away any sort of identity <laughs> to the people who submitted these questions. Okay, but here's the first one. What is the obsession slash interest of a heterosexual man in anal sex? I would say that there could be many reasons. Young couples might imagine it's a form of contraception, but they don't realise it's higher risk of STIs. And I think it's a taboo. They get to break a taboo together, you know. Oral sex used to be a taboo a long time ago, and now it's not. So Hmm. it adds that roller coaster element. We're doing something naughty or forbidden. Yeah. And also it's a significant gift of trust and love that – the female partner might give to a male that she really trusts because it can be very painful if it's not done with someone safe, yeah. using a lot of lubricant and talking about it. And I think another thing is the reason people might like it is they imagine it's going to be that sensation of tightness. But a lot of men do say that a woman who practices her Kegel muscles with the vagina and stopping the flow of urination, you know, you can give the same kind of tightness sensation. Yeah. So it's like something that I think a lot of heterosexual men want to try. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're all obsessed with it and they all want to do it all the time. I'd say they like variety. Yeah. And women like variety. So... I'm going to be honest, I've never done it. I did have a previous sexual partner that used to ask me for it all the time. And I was like, 
Yeah, not going there. I don't yeah. want to go there. If it's on your hard no list, you shouldn't do it. If it's on your hard no list. And a lot of women, it's on their maybe list, but they're scared about, is there going to be a mess? Is it going to be too painful? So there's ways you can do it. If, if that's the only thing that's making you worried about it, there's definitely ways you can do it where... As long as you don't have IBS or anything like that, or you can look it up and do it in ways that is really clean and safe and yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and and enjoyable. But you might want to have a vibrator on the clitoris at the same time. Yeah, because a woman you wouldn't orgasm from anal sex, would you? Well, a lot of women don't even orgasm from vaginal sex. Yeah, most women orgasm from the clitoral stimulation so whether the penis is inserted into the anus or the vagina if you have a vibrator one of those little bullets or egg vibrators held on the clitoris then you can have a very powerful orgasm from either entry point just because it might feel wild or naughty or things like that so a lot of women don't organism from either way. Yeah. Just do what you feel comfortable. If you want to try it, yeah. there's safe ways of doing it. If it's on your hard no list, don't do it. Yeah, it's on my hard no list. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. It really yeah. is. I've never wanted to do it. And, yeah, when I was being pressured to do it, it was a long time ago. I was just like, nah. And I think for him, it felt to me like him it was a power thing to go, I finally got her to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'm not up for that. But anyway, that's just me. Yeah, you and know. if it's if there's a pressure situation in your relationship, you might want to see a therapist because the pursuer distance cycle can get very unhealthy. The higher libido partner, if they ever make out the lower libido partner is abnormal or inadequate or frigid or there's something wrong with you and other everyone else does this and why won't you do it and if you really love me, you should do it, mm. that's not okay. That's sexual coercion, sexual abuse, but they might not be aware of it. So if you come in and see a sex therapist, we can point it out to you both when the pursuer distance cycle gets toxic. I love that you just said that. I love that you said that, that actually, if you're not feeling comfortable, that you actually can come and see a sex therapist like yourself to actually work that through because it's actually not okay to be pressured into anything you don't want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and there are partners who pressure deliberately and that are not okay and that are abusive but there are partners who are just ignorant and are in this cycle accidentally because they didn't read cosmo cleo yeah yeah (laughs) they don't know yeah yeah Yeah. and they think it might get you in the mood you know like yeah cool okay next question how can you prolong a man's erection and how can you delay his orgasm? So I'm guessing they're going, I'm guessing like maybe if you are going to take a while to orgasm, how do you prolong their erection so that they're not going to orgasm before you? I guess that's the question. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. If her partner or him or her partner has premature ejaculation, that would mean their partner's erection to ejaculation is less than a minute a minute or less that's premature ejaculation yeah if they're lasting four to seven minutes that's generally adequate yeah but lasting seven to 13 minutes is really good for some women but some women like it to be not lasting as long because they get sore depending on what size their partner is or how much foreplay they've had so you've got to really always ask what works for each other <laughs> I'm just laughing. I remember years ago. Okay, I realised I'm about to totally overshare. 
<laughs> but apparently I do that a lot. I remember years and years ago, a long time ago when I was single and I was with a dude and we were going for it. And he was like, I remember he said to me, he was like, I'm like a machine. I can go all night. And I was like, can you not? Yes. Like, seriously. <laughs> Seriously, I'm actually, let's just get this done. Like, I, yes. I do not want you to go on night because actually I'm drying up already. Yes. Just saying. I'm totally going to regret that I said that, I think. No. That's okay. No, I'm not. No, loud and proud. Loud and so proud. So important that you've said that, Mel, because so many, many women think that because that's part of some men's conditioning is they think they're meant to be like a porn star and last for hours and that's what a woman wants and needs and they've got to be the size of a horse or there's something wrong with them. But it's so not the real facts. Like a lot yeah. of women don't want you to last too long. God, no. And like, or to be too big. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't go all night. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do not go all night. So in terms of getting that person who asked that question their partner's erection to last longer and stay longer they can use a cock ring or a penis ring which which you can buy at a sex shop and it goes over the shaft of the penis when it's semi-flaccid down to the bottom of the shaft and then he gets an erection and it stops the blood flow going back in so it can give them a harder erection for longer some cock rings do go around the testes or scrotum as well so you read up on the product and look at the reviews and make sure you use them safely and take it off if it starts feeling painful if he has a problem with not getting nocturnal erections or morning erections he might have some erectile dysfunction going on for some reason which could be medical reasons or psychological so first get checked out with your gp with everything we say run it by your gp don't just guess from this great little podcast (laughs) what's going on for you and treat it yourself because you want to rule out any medical conditions and if it's psychological he might have performance anxiety which is making his erection go down quicker and you might need to focus back on not worrying about achieving orgasm and just focusing on the loving touch, you know, and take the pressure off. He can practice Kegel exercises or the muscles when he urinates. When he feels during sex that he is getting close to having an orgasm and ejaculating, he can take a deep breath and squeeze his muscles that stop urination Wow, men and have Kegels too. Yeah, I don't know if they're called that word, but the those same muscles in a woman. And if he stops that, it can be the, similar to the old Masters and Johnston stop and squeeze technique that when you withdraw the penis and you stop and you get your partner to squeeze between the head and the shaft mm-hmm. and that'll stop for 30 seconds and then you start again. So he can do that training on his own with his self-love if he wants and train himself to last longer during masturbation or you can practice it together. A female may not need you to last as long if you're doing more foreplay at the start and getting her body up to the same level yours is. Okay, next question. Is there really such thing as a multiple orgasm? Uh, Yes, there is. So they're much more common in women although men can have a type of one, usually in tantric sex practices and things like that. But women are able to have multiple orgasms due to not needing as long a refractory period between orgasms. So you can have a multiple orgasm by keeping the stimulation going after orgasm and then she gets another one, maybe a few seconds apart or a minute later. Or you can do, I think it's stacking, 
they call it now, is where you have an orgasm, then a few minutes later you get going again and you haven't. Hmm. Or an edging, you get close to the orgasm and you stop and then you get close. But generally only 15% of the female population have multiple orgasms. So I wouldn't want any women out there pressuring themselves going, oh, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I having multiple orgasms and squirting and doing all this stuff? It's, yeah. That's really good to know. I think because it's like, again, it's like the urban myth. Do women have them or not have them? So you're like saying 15%. So that's not a lot. No, it's not not a lot. lot. And more probably could if you wanted to. But for some women, it really hurts if you keep stimulating the vagina or the clitoris or anything after orgasm. Yeah. And she'll want you to stop straight away and she'll be happy with one orgasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that was enough. <laughs> yeah. And I will add, there's about 20% of women who don't orgasm at all. Yeah. And then who never have, not through self-masturbation or partner sex. And yeah. that's okay too. They can still really enjoy sex. Yeah, yeah. That's great to know. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What's the female equivalent of Viagra? Right. Is there one? Magical unicorn time. (laughs) (laughs) So, there is two drugs that have been approved over in the US, but they're not approved in Australia. They're not seen as safe and the side effects are pretty serious. I wouldn't suggest people go down that road and... You can try natural things. There's red ginseng, there's ginkgo biloga or whatever it's called. There's a Spanish fly. Whether these work or it's placebo, I'm unsure. Oysters. Oysters oysters are probably better for men because the zinc in oysters, if men have a, a lack of zinc, it can decrease testosterone and decrease sexual functioning. So go out and eat your oysters, boys. <laughs> but too much zinc is also not good for you. So always see your GP or a sex therapist first. Yeah, yeah. Can I add one thing? Absolutely. The second last question you were asking was about, is there a female Viagra pill that women can take? Yeah. The reason there isn't is because a female sex drive or libido is very dependent on lots of things. So if she's not getting enough sleep, if she's on antidepressants or if she's not practicing self-care or if the relationship, if they're having fights, all of that can make her libido go away. So Dr. Rosie King has a great book called Where Did My Libido Go? And Dr. Sandra Perto does a great book about different mismatched libidos. So it's always good to look up those reasons because seeing a sex therapist, we can help women who want to have a higher sex drive in many circumstances. We can help them get that once we find out the underlying problem, but it's not as easy as just listening to us right now. There's a lot of complexities. She could have underlying health problems or pain or things like that. And yeah, I suppose I just wanted to add that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And does menopause, I suppose for women getting older, menopause, does that impact your sex drive? Absolutely. Uh, you can get dryness. The vaginal walls can go thinner. Some women want more sex, some women want less. It depends on the other symptoms of menopause you're experiencing. Some women are feeling really hormonally out of control and hot flushes and all kinds of things and not feeling very sexy. Some couples, they actually swap roles where the woman now has a higher sex drive and the man's sex drive has dropped off and he's feeling the pressure from her 
that she used to feel from him. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Men who have estrogen therapy after prostate cancer have come in and with their partners and spoken about how after having estrogen therapy, now they find it harder to get aroused and get their body functioning. And they've got to think of all these fantasies and work so much harder to keep an erection or they can't after a radical prostatectomy but there's all different side effects sorry I won't go into that but the struggles with feeling aroused like they used to on estrogen they just want to sleep they want to cuddle more they feel more teary and it's interesting when their wives say oh yeah. Now you know how I feel with the estrogen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gabby, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. People can come and see you. Yes. Either individually or as a couple if they need a bit of help and support. Absolutely. With their relationship or sex life. Yes. Yeah. My books are closed at the moment because we're very busy, but hopefully in a month yeah. we'll be We'll have some more room. And so how? what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Just look up the Thrive Wellness Hub website. So my profile's on there. So it's www.thrivewellnesshub.com. And a lot of great therapists on there if you need anyone else as well. Gabby, thank you so much. Do you know what? I think sex is one of those subjects where it can be really feel taboo or it can feel a bit awkward to talk about. But I'm like, you know what? We need to. We need to talk about it because that's how we educate people, with, and, and in this case, women, yes. um, to go, what's normal? What's not normal? What's okay? Or, you know, that's how we learn and grow. And I am so grateful you're doing this because it's so needed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we could possibly go for a third episode. And if you have any questions, send them on through to me. Wonderful. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, Gabby. Today's episode of Hey Soul Sister podcast was brought to you by What's On Newcastle, the website from the city of Newcastle that gives you all the great information of the exciting things that are going on in our city. All you need to do is go to whatson.newcastle.newsouthwales.gov.au. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.